Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show that I do, where I talk about the stuff that I've seen since the last time I did one of these. Uh, of course, it's just me. Um, as you well know, if you listen to this podcast, uh, Tyler is uh, under the weather, to put it mildly. He's um, going through some really tough medical stuff. If you want to know what's going on, you can uh, go to caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. Um, that has that has updates, and it also has the link to the GoFundMe, um, which would be great if you could help uh, Tyler and his family um, with their medical, medical bills. Uh, again, that's caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. So um, <clears throat> even though it's been, excuse me, nearly a month since I did one of these. Um, uh, not everything that I saw, I am going to talk about Not everything I saw, I can talk about. So, um, there aren't nearly as many movies as you would think, um, from a guy who watches a lot of movies ostensibly, but I am going to start with, uh, Romania's entry, uh, their, their submission for the, uh, uh foreign language, uh, uh, Oscar consideration, which is not, you know, I saw, um, Christian Manju's, uh, RMN at, uh, at TIFF and it's amazing. It still is one of the best films that I, that I saw there. Maybe the second best film that I saw that after St. Omer. Um, but that is not what they submitted probably for political reasons. Uh, Romania being what Romania is. And, uh, um, in, in, in terms of, uh, uh, the current government and, uh, RMN and Christian Munju being what they are, uh, wasn't, wasn't the type. So instead, Romania has submitted a, a movie directed by Monica Stan and George Chipper, Chipper Lullamark. I don't know. Um, I say that, uh, and it's called Immaculate and, um, I'm afraid that it is not very good um un- unfortunately it's um uh it's just punishing and, and i feel bad saying this because it's apparently based on monica stan's loosely based on monica stan's actual experience as as a teenager who was in trouble and and with i don't mean in trouble in like the 1950s way of saying pre- someone's pregnant i mean that she uh had some drug problems um and uh went into a drug treatment facility um and being the young pretty rich girl there was kind of uh um buffeted about by different men and different forces uh in 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 the system and uh so in, in this movie um Let's see. I'm trying to get the uh, an actress named Anna Dumitrascu uh, plays a version of of that story. Um, and the conceit of the movie is that it's largely in not tight close up, but like medium close up, almost entirely. And Daria, the character, um, uh, is incredibly passive that uh, as these things happen to her and so the movie goes on and on and on with just 
terrible things keep happening to her and she is seems completely unable to voice her opposition or do anything to protect herself she keeps just like falling into the easiest and i guess i like i understand the point that's being made but uh that's that's the point of making art is not just to make your point um the movie is just endlessly punishingly bleak and uh there are good movies that do that in a way that is artful but this movie kind of settles on its one sort of trick and then repeats it for two hours and it's uh not a viewing experience that i can really recommend um so that's first you want to do these with tyler we get to go back and forth and i don't have to like keep track of everything okay uh next up i saw after sun charlotte wells stunning directorial debut after sun uh which you've probably heard of by now um it's about a uh i think 12 or so year old girl um who goes on she's a child of of divorce or at least her parents aren't together um I, i don't know the legal specifics uh but she goes on a vacation to a resort in turkey for a week or so with her dad uh we get the impression she doesn't live with her dad so a lot of and a lot of the movies about just getting the impression i like i like that the movie suggests a lot about who her dad is over over the course of the movie slowly things sort of and they don't like come out in the way that like I don't know, in like an Aaron Sorkin screenplay, some people just like suddenly make a big declaration about what's going on with them. They, they're, they're hinted at and, and you start to form a picture of this person. And this is another movie that is reportedly somewhat biographical. Um, and, uh, it's, it's about this girl spending a week with her dad that she doesn't see all the time. But it also has these kind of dreamy, like, I don't know, flashes forward to the adult version of of, of the girl. Um, and uh, what's so beautifully done over the course of the movie, so subtly, is that we gradually go from seeing this man played, played by Paul Mescal... And the daughter, the young girl is played by uh, Frankie Corio, and she's—they're both great, great uh, central per- performances. Um, uh, so anyway, she um, over the course of the movie, we go from seeing her dad the way that she saw him as a twelve-year-old, which is not exactly like I'm not saying this isn't like the fallen idol she's not idolizing him and then the truth is revealed it's not as simplistic as that he's still kind of like a a strange presence to her as a as as a girl but also kind of fascinating and, and and all these things and over the course of the movie we come to see him gradually more the way i think that the adult uh sophie sophia um sophie um uh, uh, 
sees him and it's and it's really uh beautifully done um and incredibly uh overwhelmingly emotional um there's uh these 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 uh, dreamy flashes forward have uh music in them that is kind of like recognizable songs but they're kind of taken apart and put back together in in different ways uh that's just really bold and artful and all of these these choices uh paid off uh after sun isn't just a a really uh a, a really revelatory achievement um okay uh next up i got around to seeing well i got around to, i got to go see it in the theater see um ryan johnson's glass onion or as i will probably never call it again glass onion a knives out mystery uh, i'm just I'm just gonna call it glass onion. i know that's the official title but uh uh this is um uh the next chapter in the benoit blanc uh, the adventures the continuing adventures of daniel craig's benoit blanc um and um if you have been listening to the show maybe you'll remember when it came to Knives Out I was neither one of the movie's big many like champions nor was I a part of the backlash I mostly liked Knives Out quite a bit actually I thought it was a lot of fun Um, and I think Glass Onion might even be more fun Um, there's a I, I haven't decided, but I think there is a chance that I might say I like Glass Onion better than Knives Out. But, uh, and I, and I, I do wonder if these movies will, assuming that like humanity survives and everything in like 30 or more years, um, these movies being so overtly about now in a way that kind of annoys me might be more interesting in the future when you're looking back on, on this time. But, um, the, 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 uh, kind of like really unsubtle point making of, of knives out is present again in glass onion about like making points again about the 1% of you know rich people but also um the way that knives out had a character who was like an alt-right like uh internet troll you've got like a men's rights guy here and then you've got a uh kind of timely um given actually given um all the attention um largely negative uh that's being paid to elon musk since he took over twitter you've got a portrait of a billionaire tech genius or supposed genius um uh that is not entirely flattering either uh with edward norton's character and uh both movies are funny but that stuff is not what i find funny i find the the silliness of it to be to be more 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 funny um and and i do enjoy the cleverness of the sort of uh folded in on itself whodunit type of thing you know where we don't really know um you know knives out famously did the thing where it 
famously to me, you know, it's a whodunit that appears to be solved almost immediately, and then and then things change. Here, we it's not even clear what the crime is, uh, uh, and there's some red herrings about what the crime is um, that 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 we're trying to solve. Uh, but um, it's it's a lot of fun, and. Um, it, like I said, it might be, I'm repeating myself, it might be more fun than, than Knives Out. Um, and it's got just great uh, uh, performances from obviously Daniel Craig, um, but also um, uh, uh, I, I really like, uh, I mentioned it, I really like Kate Hudson in the movie, Dave Bautista. Uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of, I keep saying it's a lot of fun. It is fun, but the stuff that grated on me a little bit about Knives Out still grates on me here. So it's still something that I can't go over B, maybe if I'm in a great mood, a B-plus type of movie. Um, but might play much different in the future. We'll, we'll see if I... if we Like I said, if we live that long. I don't know if I've got another 30 years on me. I'm, I'm tired, man. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right. Next up, I saw a movie that I was um, half excited to see and half cautious about. Uh, you know, um, my wife Natalie and I get into this uh, um, difference of opinion sometimes, where like if I say, "Hey, do you want to go see X movie?" Not. Ty West's X. She's probably not interested in that. Uh, doesn't really like horror. But uh, if I say, do you want to go see X movie? She'll be like, what's it about? And I'll say, I have no idea, but it's made by the director who made this. So I'm interested in it because of this director. Um, but sometimes things do happen the other way. There are movies, B movies that I'm interested in them because of what they're about. So I was interested to see Chris Smith's Senior, which is a documentary about Robert Downey Sr., um, who, you know, uh, listeners know I'm a big fan of, um, uh, having caught up with most of his work, other than, um, I think Grease's Palace might have been the only one that I'd seen before he died. Is that possible? Yeah. Uh, having caught up with most of his work after he died in preparation for our profile episode on him. Um, I uh, uh, I've become a, a big fan of Robert Downey Downey Senior, and so a documentary about him was just interesting. But like I said, it's also Chris Smith, who um, is uh, not the most interesting filmmaker to me. I feel like he can be a little like what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, overtly like going for the pathos um uh in a way that the movie is kind of like cheap and and, and cynical uh, a little bit I mean, obviously i liked american movie when it was new um but i did not like jim and andy and now he's like doing these like look at this crazy guys i mean like he pr- like produced tiger king and he did one of the fire fest documentaries um and so like the idea of him taking on an artist that I think is is as great as Robert Downey Sr. was 
but uh, but but also who made very like out there type of work is this going to be a whole movie of like look at this crazy guys crazy movies um and it's not but it's also not the like biographical documentary it has that in it It definitely like tells the story of his of his career a little bit but uh robert tony jr robert tony senior's son is also a big part of of this movie and so the real main thrust of this movie is their relationship which is not like it's not like they were ever estranged they seem to have a good relationship but also like robert downey jr has a past with addiction as as was very public that a lot lot of people know and um there is a sense that he uh not a sense i mean it comes out and says it that like he was given drugs you know by his dad and his friends when he was like too young and so there's like a little bit of that uh tension there but they're also like so happy and loving with one another but also robert downey senior at the time the movie was being shot was uh was dying he had parkinson's and 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 was uh over the course of the movie becomes closer and closer to 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 death and so um i i think this kind of ends up I think I could re- I could recommend the movie on multiple levels. If you want to know about Robert Downey Sr., if you don't know his work, this actually is kind of a good, like, it contains a lot of, like, uh, not just looks and clips um, from his work, but also kind of context um, to, to understand them. Uh, but also, if you are looking for just a human, uh, a, a sort of tearjerker of a human interest documentary, there's um, a lot of... Uh, um, there's a lot of heartbreaking father-son stuff in the movie. Uh, yeah, overall, I would say I came away from the movie feeling very sad, but in a way that was uh, that was not without catharsis. So, um, uh, I guess Chris Smith m- more or less uh, pulled it off. Um, excuse me. Another documentary. Um, I should have the director's name. I should do that. I should be better at this after all this time. Uh, Elon Schwartz's Tentura, which is a documentary about um, a, uh, a a town, uh, Tentura, um, which is a was a Palestinian village that during the uh the iranian palestinian war in the late 40s um uh tintora was more or less destroyed and this movie contains interviews with the um surviving israeli uh uh citizens of the nearby town um who participated in the military action um in tentura and and the movie is the movie's jumping off point is um another researcher's uh claim of evidence that there was uh 
there were war, war crimes involved and that civilians were massacred uh, during this. So the movie uh, seems to feel pretty strongly that this research was right and that there was there were terrible things that happened and there are uh, some of the Israelis interviewed obviously uh, deny that and, and push back uh, but I think look I've said before on this podcast like one of my favorite things that a documentary can do is ostensibly being be about one thing but actually be uncovering something else so this is a movie that on its surface is about hey let's find out what happened in Tantora um but what I think it's really doing is saying hey let's interrogate the prevailing Israeli idea of itself and its military and its standing militarily and morally um, since its 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 founding and um, uh, it, it's it's really it's really interesting to see that like the movie is suggesting that it wasn't just like shadowy you know authorities trying to sweep war crimes under the rug it's something that is so the against the israeli national identity that people aren't able to even hear it or 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 consider it um so yeah i i found it really revealing and and fascinating uh tentura t-a-n-t-u-r-a okay where am i in the list i feel like i'm getting close to the end here that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Oh, okay. So next I watched a great movie. Um, Marie Kreutzer's Corsage. Um, starring Vicky Creeps as um, the Australian Empress Elizabeth in the... Is it 1860s or 18, uh, 1870s? Late 1870s. It's a sort of a year in, in her life, the year starting with her turning 40. Um, she has a birthday at the beginning. Um, and uh, this is a... The movie is a portrait of a uh, an unhappy royal uh so i guess thematically or content contentually content wise um has some some things in common with uh pablo lorraine spencer from last year but um in execution it's a very different movie it's not it doesn't have that uh 
it's not hysterical <laughs> the way that Spencer is. I, know, I shouldn't say hysterical because that has like sexist uh, roots, as I uh, understand it. But it's it's not, um, and this is coming from someone who likes Pablo Lorraine and liked Spencer quite a bit. Um, I'm just, I feel like I always have to say that now. Like people can't wrap their head around the idea that I could be critical of something that I love. Um, I'm not saying that about myself. I'm saying that in general, like people seem to be just all or nothing all the time. Like, how can you say that about something you like, or how can you like something that's problematic or whatever? It's anyway, um, it's off topic. Uh, anyway, this is, uh, uh, it's not a strict biopic. It's largely fictionalized or speculative. Um, and some of it is outright just unreal. Um, uh, but it's about a year in the life of Empress Elizabeth or Cece as she, uh, was, was known. Um, but the movie has, um, this interesting, like, it, it's very much, oh, obviously, and this sounds stupid to say, because obviously anyone who's watching a movie knows, like, they didn't make movies in the 1870s so obviously this is a more modern look at the past but you tend a lot of people tend to just like we tend to spend our disbelief and just say like okay this movie about the past is taking place in the past and that's where i'm transported to but this movie has all these reminders of the present and of the of the future there are little anachronisms that pop up in the background or in the music or or or, or whatever um that um you know i don't uh, i i could sit here and try to speculate about um why why that is um but uh um it 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 de detaches the the story of elizabeth from uh, the historical records uh, in a way that I think dovetails with how this imagination of the character wants to detach from her life. She's an unhappy royal. She has these little like rebellions that she puts on here and there. Um, but it's also, she's not like a hero either. I guess she's an anti-hero because she can also be a, a cruel person to especially to those who like work under her and the commoners and and her ladies in waiting and, and and things like that she's um she's basically just like done uh with her world and her position in it and um uh it, it doesn't she doesn't care anymore and that includes not caring who about other people not just herself uh and so this movie that like seems to start out as a period piece biopic uh turns into this portrait of the allure of letting go um of of giving yourself over like a sort of like euphoric fatalism of um giving yourself to the oblivion uh and uh I, I i found it incredibly fun and funny but also moving and i already said allure so i'll say intoxicating 
but really, I mean, like, alluring. Um, and Vicky Creeps is just such a fantastic talent. Her her on-screen presence, her the use of her her voice, even though the, the movie is entirely in in German. Like, well, it's not entirely in German. They also speak, like, French, and, and there's some English in there, too. But um, even when I don't, often don't know what, technically know what she's, saying uh, her voice as a as a as a tool in in her arsenal i guess you have a weapon in your arsenal you have a tool in your on your belt all right uh i i'm and i call myself a writer i don't know shit um but her 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 voice is a, a fantastic tool and uh couldn't recommend corsage highly any any higher than uh, than i have um <laughs> and then um that was followed so that was at the arrow that i saw that and it was followed because it was followed by a q a with vicky creeps which is amazing and then the second half of the double feature they showed last year's bergman island the mia hansen levey movie that was uh number five i had to look it up i don't i don't keep uh, this committed memory number five on my top 10 movies of 2021 and um w- watching it again it's uh, i i sh- was like i should go back and put it higher it's it's such it's such an amazing movie i think last year when i talked about bergman island i think because i was kind of wary of giving away too much story not that the movie has like a straightforward narrative um but i'm always just wary about accusations of spoilers uh so i think when i talked about the movie last year a lot i talked more about its uh uh the 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 undercurrents and 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 what it does um uh, uh in the big picture sense in the way that it like is a movie that explores and illustrates the way that an artist's life inspires and influences the stuff that comes through in their work and, and the way the movie as as it goes on uh you know has it starts off with this kind of clear distinction between this is this character's Vicky creeps character's real life and then this is the story she's writing and going and, and as it goes on it kind of like uh it it becomes a little more diffuse um uh and uh so then that's all true and that's all fantastic but now that the movie's been out a year and i can i feel i can talk more about the story i i think i want to talk about the depth and strength of emotion in the movie that is achieved especially in the story within the story and the uh uh sort of the the emotions that tug in the liminal space between Mia Bashkovsky's character and Anders Anderson Lee 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 Lee's character um it's 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 uh it's gorgeous but in a way that is like bittersweet that anyone who has ever yearned um and and been hurt because of that can can uh can relate to in a way that is I mean, almost painful to be taken back to that pain when she's, you know, when she's waiting for him to to come over to her like little 
bungalow with the uh the wedding and and checking her phone and and the the but then the euphoria when they're when they're together and and when they kiss um and and everything else uh it's just like fucking prude when they kiss and and everything else when they have sex um uh they uh if you've if you've ever been there which most of us have most of us have felt love in in a way that caused us as much pain as pleasure and the movie's ability to in a way that seems so simple uh to to invoke that and and to recreate that is just really powerful stuff um what what a masterpiece of a movie I, i love it uh all right, next up, Argentinian, or do we say Argentina? We never settled that on the podcast when, like, two years ago when Scott and I did an episode on Argentine movies or Argentinian movies. Anyway, uh, but this movie is called Argentina, 1985, directed by Santiago uh, Mitre, um, Mitre, uh, yeah, probably Mitre, um, and it's about the... Two years after the end of the military dictatorship, uh, the official courts are trying um, the generals who uh, were alleged to have uh, ordered the the disappearances and tortures and murders of of, of dissidents and um, and stuff and so it follow the its main character is the government prosecutor who's prosecuting these generals um i guess i learned something about argentine history watching it and that's kind of all i can say about it like i don't know that uh this is i feel like tyler and i have both uh uh used this um uh <laughs> this structure to criticism me before but like it doesn't I could have just read a Wikipedia article about this and I think I would be in the same position. There's nothing particularly insightful about the way that it's executed. There's, um, I guess some funny stuff from the lead actor who's, uh, his name is Ricardo Darren. Um, and, uh, and he's, he's, he's perfectly charming, but the movie is so, uh, it's not that it's formless. It's that, there's no personality to the way that it's formed. It feels like it is simply taking the path of least resistance to illustrating the screenplay. That's kind of all I can say about the movie. Um, yeah, just just read a, a Wikipedia article about it. All right, finally, we're going to end this with talking about James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water. You guys, <laughs> it's everything I wanted it to be and more. I know that's a cliche, but it's someone I, uh, listeners know that unlike Tyler, I'm a big fan of the original Avatar, seen it three times, I think in the theater. Um, and so I was very much looking forward to the way of water. And if it had just been, even if I love Avatar so much that even if the way of water had just been more of the same, I probably would have been satisfied, but that's not James Cameron. He goes bigger, more stunning, more spectacle, more beauty. Uh, and it's literally bigger. It's like 
half an hour longer than a movie that's already very long. It's three hours and 12 minutes long. Um, but it, the, the movie is, again, it has that, that avatar thing of being so immersive. I know we always like made fun of, and I, I'm guilty of this too, made fun of the people who were like depressed that they couldn't live on Pandora. Cause that's silly. But a part of me is like, I also get it. Like his movie is so immersive and Pandora is such a fully realized place um, that I do kind of get that like this is as close as we've ever gotten as, as any individual can get to like visiting another planet because it's so well realized and it's so gorgeous um, and uh, uh, and yeah the way of water uh, as, as the title suggests shows us a new part of Pandora instead of the forests and the floating mountains where in the islands on the ocean and um uh so there's a whole new level of beauty the the uh, all the water stuff especially um seeing it on a big screen in 3d and high frame rate i was gonna say remind me to get to that later who am i talking to there's no one here um uh it, all of the water stuff is so stunning but then also the i mean James Cameron is first and foremost an action director. Even when he's making epics like Titanic. Titanic is an action movie, if you ask me. Um, and the the sequences of, of action in this movie are so thrilling and stunning and bar-raising. They're there there were multiple points in the movie where the audience that I saw it with just like burst into applause during during the during big action sequences um i i didn't cuz i'm not i don't think to do that in the movie but i get it absolutely get that 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 reaction um i'm really just over the moon about about this movie uh, i don't even care about the dumb stuff about like the way they found ways to bring back characters who died in the first one. Not, they brought back the actors as different characters, but they're also kind of the character. And, uh, you know, you'll see it and you'll watch it and they kind of like, yeah, just go with it and you'll, and you'll be fine. Um, I just loved it so much. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, so I did want to mention the high frame rate. I hadn't seen an, um, a high frame rate movie. Well, that's not true. I saw, Aquarella in high frame rate, um, which is a documentary, and so that thing that's that soap opera y feeling people say they get from high frame rate stuff um, didn't really apply to Aquarella. So the last movie, movie I guess uh, that I saw with high frame rate would have been the first Hobbit. It was the only one that I saw that way, um, and I did find a lot of that uh, uh, to be garish and and. Uh, distracting and off-putting the high frame rate stuff there are maybe a couple shots in way of water where it 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 has that like oh i'm watching actors i'm not watching a a, a movie type of thing but for the most part it really works it's incredible with the, with the 3d it's so seamless and smooth and um and and everything uh and um yeah it looks it, it looks sharp and uh it did not 
uh, to me i would say that the high frame rate was not a distraction it was in fact uh, an asset that that uh enriched the experience 